0: Hey GearHeads, and welcome to GT Garage Talk, a discussion about all things automotive. I am your host, Corey, and on this week's episode, we are interviewing yet another one of my Facebook friends, a colleague in the automotive world, uh, all-around good guy who has made me very hungry as I am here recording, because not only does he dabble in automotive, uh, he runs a YouTube channel called I Want to Cook. And, oh yeah, he also is really into music. He, he wears many, many hats. His name is Matt Deegan. He does work for Kelly Blue Book. He, like I said, runs a cooking YouTube uh, channel. So, yes, uh, there's a lot to talk about, and we will touch on it all in this week's episode. But you didn't come here to listen to me ramble on. Let's bring on Matt and have a conversation with him. Well, I am so blessed and thrilled to have uh, Matt Deegan uh, join me this week on the podcast and to talk a little bit of cars, a little bit of cooking. Uh, who knows what we will find in between. Matt, great to have you. It's great to be on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you are the senior associate editor at Kelly Blue Book, correct? If you say so. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> No, I, I think so. I think that's my most recent title. Um, yeah, yeah, that that yeah, that sounds good. Let's do with that. Yeah, I work for Kelly Blue Book. Okay, well there we are. there we go. Uh, you are actually not the first KBB employee to have joined me here on the GT Garage Talk podcast. A few weeks ago, I was blessed to get to speak with uh, Lynn Woodward and cover her journey in uh, all things rally. So I'm just. I'm very thankful for y'all as a company I've relied on the website and Micah and all of his team on YouTube reviews until jumping into it myself. So very appreciative of all that Kelly Blue Book does.
1: Very cool. We've got a great team. Uh, Lynn is absolutely amazing. Micah is amazing. Um, yeah, no, it's, I mean, our editorial team, Um, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I I really do think we have the best editorial team in the business. And uh, I I feel super blessed just to be a part of it.
0: Yeah. So that kind of leads me into what exactly your role is there at KBB. And uh, I know you've done some traveling. You recently got back from a really cool trip. Uh, But what all do you have your hands in there at KBB? Yeah.
1: Yeah, good question. So uh, I just celebrated about ten years uh, at the company, so been there been there a little little while. Uh, I was hired uh, basically to review vehicles, and uh, that means to you know test drive new cars, uh, you know go on the press launches, test the, the fleets that we have regularly in, do comparison tests, and basically write the reviews. So if somebody goes to um, you know KBB and they want to uh, see a review of, of the latest Honda Accord. Uh, you know, there's a good chance that that'll have my byline. Um, that's basically what I do: is 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 write reviews, write comparisons, etc. A little more recently, I actually took on a different role where I'm doing more editing versus writing. And uh, we just we had a need for for more editing, and I'm I enjoy editing. Uh, so it 's been a nice i don 't want to call it a break but just something different i 'm still right. i'm still writing about cars i 'm still going on press launches once in a while but i 'm not doing it uh as much as i was i 'm just kind of uh, doing a little more editing helping some of our freelance writers et cetera, to uh, you know kind of get better at their craft and and whatnot
0: all right. Well, that's awesome. The uh, The world needs uh, many, many more good editors. As uh, some may know, I do freelance writing on the side, and it's always good to come across a good editor versus one that's uh, just an old grouch. So <laughs> uh, the world is in need of good editors. But I understand, granted, I've only truly been in the review world for a year, that it has gotten very different in... Anyway, on the review side of things, fleets have changed and shifted and uh, different brands are doing different things. I know for us here locally, Ford is um, struggling just to have vehicles with chip shortages and all the fun stuff that's going on in the automotive industry right now. So um, just a a different look uh, for sure on this side of things. Auto shows are a little bit different and... Um, just, you know, evolving with the times, right?
1: Yeah, far different. We're seeing that, like you mentioned, auto shows and just the way cars are being launched these days. Uh, You know, even pre-pandemic, we saw some of these changes. And then when the pandemic arrived, you know, everything went out the window as far as what we know uh, for for any regularity. So, yeah, a lot lot of difference. Um, Now, I'm in... You know, I'm in Southern California, so we have uh, a pretty big market out here as far as other media, you know, right. a lot of, you know, a lot of automotive media are out here. So we have a, a bigger fleet pool, um, you know, that's not exactly, um, you know, hurting or in the middle right. of no. So, yeah, we we have a little more access, but, but um, you know, I'm, I'm sure even there, you know, you can't... <laughs> You can't give a car that you don't have in your fleet, right? And if there's a chip shortage or, or whatever that's made that car unavailable, it is what it is.
0: Yeah. So that that kind of leads me to, uh, you know, we will get into. I've got some fun questions uh, to to end the interview. But what what would you say is perhaps one of the more memorable vehicles or vehicle launches that you have been to in, in your career? Oh <laughs> yeah so
1: the, what you hear is my mind flipping through hundreds and literally hundreds of, of vehicle launches and press trips. Um, you know, I, I truly I tr- really do like pinch myself every day because, you know, as a kid, probably like you, I grew up reading Car and Driver mm-hmm. and Road and Track and all the magazines. And like it never even dawned on me that, first of all, that could be a job is that right. somebody pays you to go to some crazy country and drive a car than write about it. And I, you know, I've been doing this for well over a decade. And I, it's still, I have to wrap my head around that, that I'm doing that now that I'm one of those people with those bylines. But um, boy, we've, I mean, yeah, we, we've had some crazy ones from getting um, absolutely lost beyond like I was driving sprinter uh, vans in Germany. It was my first trip to Germany me and my partner were on the autobahn and we got so lost that the GPS literally shut off and it was one of these crazy german trips where like i seriously the the stop one of the stop points was like a strip mine it was just like it was crazy and we were absolutely so bonkers lost and neither of us could read german we didn't we didn't know if we'd actually be spending the night in that van um <laughs> <laughs> by the grace of God, somehow the GPS turned back on and, uh, y- you know, we-, we found our way and I-, I-, I eventually got home. But, you know, there's always something different like that. Um, I've had some epic four buying adventures, you know, actually doing the Rubicon Trail right. in a Rubicon Jeep was like, you know, one of my bucket list. Um, recently, I just got back from Vietnam where I was uh, with a new automaker called VinFast checking out not only their new electric car, but like everything this company does, which is massive. They, they're a huge conglomerate over there. They've got hotels and theme parks. They do a lot more than cars. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of crazy, but memorable adventures.
0: Yeah. I've, I've been seeing a lot of VinFast in my feed and auto shows I've gone to, and then getting to see kind of your adventures, uh, through the wonders of Facebook, uh, As you are out there in Vietnam, it's an interesting, we're kind of in the Wild West all over again with the way that EV architecture has kind of opened up the automotive world in a way that it hasn't really been since maybe the 20s and 30s. Uh, You get all these startups. Like uh, the one that really intrigues me is Canoe. Uh, Mm. They're here locally, uh, not too far from me. I believe they're based in Arkansas and, uh, just a very funky, unique cargo van lifestyle, activity, vehicle bubble on wheels. Uh, I, I don't know. There's just, uh, it's almost like you can open your eyes and uh, it, new day, new startup trying to create something out in the automotive space.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. I mean, um, uh, when you look back at the history of automobiles, I mean, there were like just dozens and dozens of brands back in like, like the the tens and the twenties that are no longer even here. Right. And, you know, we're seeing maybe not something similar because it takes, it's a different time and it takes different capacity to, to create a car these days. But, yeah, it's, it's much more of, um, it's, there's much more potential for disruption. And I, I, so when I got back from Vietnam, I wrote a big article on, you know, cause most Americans don't have no idea what VinFast is and, and, you know, how should they? So I wrote a very, you know, like, you know, primer on what this company is and one of my points at the bottom, you know, I did it kind of in a Q and A format with myself <laughs> and I think something a lot of folks are going to want to know is, can this company actually be successful, right? Is that Can this startup actually, you know, crack the American market? And, you know, my conclusion is that if they were just trying to bring another gas-powered two- and three-row SUV to the market, probably not, right? Mm -hmm. You know, that that segment is already so saturated. But the EV market, as a brand-new EV player, you know, they might have a chance, right? Because we've seen, of course, Tesla, we've seen Rivian, we've seen Lucid. So we've seen these automakers uh, be able to beat the established players to the game, to the mark on on what they're bringing. So, you know, if VinFast can jump in here in this kind of window of time as I see it before uh, the mainstream automakers start really churning out EVs, they might have a shot.
0: Yeah, that's... We are in a, a weird spot right now because, yeah, legacy automakers are, riding and turning the ship, but it, it's like moving the Titanic out of the way of the iceberg. You really had to plan and start turning a long time ago. So, uh, whereas all these startups are light and flexible and uh, can churn stuff out, and then you know the harsh realities of the modern era with. Uh, closures and chip shortages. I, I, know, I know we keep coming back to it, but even Rivian has been uh, hit with, they, they've they had to increase prices. They've had to change some of how they go to market and things like that. So um, they're kind of learning on the fly too that it's not quite as easy a game as maybe it initially appeared.
1: No, it's, it's not. And so but before I was a... Uh, You know, with KBB, I was actually a newspaper reporter for over a decade. And for part of that time, I was I was an automotive reporter and I was doing more like on the business end. And I was following, you know, at the time, very closely uh, Fisker, like their first Mm -hmm. incarnation, because they were based in Orange County. I worked I worked for the Orange County newspaper. Uh, called the Orange county Register. and you know that was a big deal. and kind of following them from you know their very beginnings to kind of their flame out, uh, you, you know it was a good lesson in just how tough it is to crack to crack the us market to actually make and not just make a, a vehicle that people will buy but to to continue and survive. And yeah, there's a lot of lessons there and it's, it's so, so tough. I mean, you know, they can come about with all these big grandiose plans. The one I love to hear all the time is, you know, these automakers and say, yeah, you know, in five years or two years or whatever, we're going to be churning out half a million cars. It's like, okay. I mean, if, if if you say so, it just, we've all heard it before. And, you know, props for these companies for trying, um, You know, we obviously it's I think competition is wonderful, but boy, it takes it takes all it's kind of like the biggest home project you've ever had. In my opinion, it's going to be it's probably going to be at least twice the cost and Mm -hmm. twice the length of time. I mean, it just takes so much, so much money and and so much effort and intelligence to, to make it
0: and to do it right. So it's interesting that you bring up uh, Fisker because I was at the LA Auto Show this past November and Henrik Fisker, the founder and CEO, was there and they're basically coming back. They're going to do it again and uh, changed up the formula a little bit. Learned a lot from, as you put it, his uh, first go and flame out. And what what are your thoughts on the Fisker Ocean and this new kind of idea? He's saying... He seems like a very passionate individual. He came out there, went completely off script with his boxed water. So,
1: yeah, you know, Henrik is a very interesting fellow. You know, I've I've interviewed him a couple times at at auto shows and whatnot. And, um, you know, I guess we'll see again. I, I, the proof is in the pudding, right? Again, we can they, they can bring out a great looking car and, and make all these promises, but at some point you got to bring it to production, right? right. So we'll, we'll see, you know. I think, um, you know, and he's using that, you know, he's, he's gonna be using a different method of manufacture. It's not like he's building his own factories. Like, mm-hmm. you know, to bring back the example of Vinfast, I mean, I actually toured their factories and they're amazing. Like they are state of the art. These guys are not using contract manufacturers. They're not using, you know, somebody to build their cars. And I think that's a big differentiator between, uh, an automaker that, that really is establishing itself or is established and someone who's, you know, going a different route. Right. Right. So, um, Again, it's not to say that a contract manufacturer can't work, right? Right. They certainly can. We've seen that with Magna and 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 some of the others, right? But um, I think that's a big differentiator. So that's a big, long, roundabout way of saying um, we'll we'll see. I'm not, you know, I've I've heard a lot of promises before.
0: Yeah, Uh, uh, another big name that's kind of come back into the spotlight is DeLorean so another one here in my backyard down in San Antonio uh, they're promising big things they're teasing us with the image they've partnered with a towel design so you know it's going to be stunning it it better be stainless steel that's all I gotta say but uh, yeah Uh, could you
1: imagine stainless steel in today's world (laughs) um that'd be that'd be wild man that would be wild uh yeah no it looks cool I mean from the the teaser images we've seen um are these cars going to sell in any uh, considerable amount I mean come on you know it's <laughs> that that and that's the thing it's like are you, what is their what is their plan I'm just as eager to hear are they going to be kind of a niche player that you know just sells a few vehicles to people who are enthusiasts and have mm. deep pockets um, who knows right
0: yeah. So I uh, I feel like I always end up talking about electric cars because they're such a big part of the conversation when talking about cars nowadays, but I want to take it a little bit further back. So you had mentioned uh, you started off in the newspaper world writing there, but what really helped cultivate your love, your passion for the automotive world? Mm. I don't
1: know, Hot Wheels, Matchbox. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it you know, it, it really it goes back to my just to childhood, and I just I always dug cars. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, how do you get a passion for anything, right? Mm. It's just it, I think sometimes there's something that just ignites it in you, and and I don't know that there was any one thing that did that. Um, as a as a kid, uh. You know, we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of money growing up, so my parents were always finding different ways to make money on the side. And one thing my dad would do, my dad is absolutely brilliant. He is uh, basically a self-taught everything, and he's really good at fixing things, like anything. And he would buy and sell cars. Um, he would just buy <laughs> just about any car you can imagine, fix it up, and then resell it. And I remember remember we had old Jeeps, we had Rovers, like the actual sedans. I mean, like cars you would never even heard of. So, you know, maybe that had uh, an influence. But I I really, Corey, I think the really the biggest thing that really set off my passion for cars now that I really think about it was this old beat up secondhand go-kart my dad bought me. I came home from school one day. I must have been in like the third or fourth grade. I was really young. And I see this old rickety go-kart. It just had like a Briggs and Stratton engine attached to like one wheel on, on the rear. And I drove that thing for hours and hours and hours. I loved it. And I think that's maybe what really kind of ignited my love for cars and motoring was just that little go-kart just just <laughs> running that thing for hours. I loved it. It was it was amazing.
0: Wow it it only takes one just little taste for you to want more yeah i've got a little uh, power wheel jeep for my son and of course you know doing what we do testing vehicles all the time i've totally and utterly ruined him by before he even turned 4 so um I, i'm i'm in a world of hurt when he actually wants his <laughs> own car so I'll, I'll figure that out in, in due time, but self-inflicted my friend. Yes. Yes. I, I frequently tell the story. We had a podcast guest on, um, who Brad Bowen, he brought his 1991 Lamborghini Diablo to my house. Wow. And I kid you not, when I saw him turn the corner, I knew he had a Lamborghini. I didn't know what it was, which model, when he turned the corner, I got weak in the knees and I about fell over because I had that exact model, color, wheels, everything. And to see it driving down my street towards my person and then to be handed the keys and said, Here you go. Just what? What is life right now? Like, (laughs) uh, me and my co host at the time uh, took it for a drive around my neighborhood and attempted to put something on YouTube from it, but it was. Basically, just a smiling, giggling, and laughing around my neighborhood. It, it, it's just ridiculous. Uh, the love of cars and what's out there. I, I'm, yeah.
1: Sometimes it's nice to meet your heroes.
0: Yes. And uh, I've done a few videos on that premise. So I fell in love with the fourth gen Camaro. And that kind of translated into Corvette and then it just spewed out into everything. So I recently, I mean, very recently drove an 05 Corvette convertible and there's just so much to love about its simplicity, about it had a mission, go fast, sound good, look good. And I I was not disappointed all this time later. It, Yes. uh, There's a lot to be said about meeting, meeting your heroes. It's sad when they don't live up to uh, how you've built them in your head, but there are some cars out there that I still are on my hit list that I can't wait. (laughs) Well, we'll hope you get, get to get a chance to hit them all. Yes. Yes. Hopefully uh, all in due time, right? All in due time. So um. One more question about your automotive past. Any notable vehicles in your personal lineup of uh, cars? I know, like I said, you and I, you know, we're constantly in something new uh, testing them out. That doesn't exactly count, but like vehicles that you, I don't want to say idolized, but just loved and taken in, wish you had back, whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, yeah, well uh they're pretty eclectic as as you can probably imagine um uh Acura NSX is just Ooh. it's it's a I really really enjoy the heck out of that car both the well both the original and then the uh more modern equivalent that sadly is is going out the door mm. that, that's fan, fantastic vehicle um one of one of the cars that I really enjoyed and and i miss is it was one of uh it was my long term test car for gads i think i had it 2 years uh was the volkswagen alltrack um that was such a, a cool vehicle again they they stopped making it only lasted a few years but it's basically a a golf wagon that had all wheel drive and was lifted a little bit and part of that was just because of the experiences in it yes it was you know practical and all that but Uh, my wife and I, we had taken, we actually drove that car out to Texas with, um, with our, our dog at the, at the time And we have just, we've created so many memories in that car. So that was, that was a lot of fun. You know, it's just the memories. Um, a little more recently is the Bronco. I just, Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely love that vehicle. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say it. I, I absolutely love, I think Ford did such a great job. Um, I love, I love that vehicle so much that. Uh, I recently rescued another dog and I named him Bronco. His, his name is Bronco. And I've got kind of a manifest destiny situation going on where at some day he will be my, my, my passenger, my right side passenger in, in the
0: Bronco. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I I'll be in a world of hurt when my wife and I finally decide to pull the trigger on buying our next vehicle because we had a Bronco for a week and it left a very strong favorable impression in her mind. Others have as well, so it's going to be really tough for us to decide on something. But she left that review saying, "All right, when are we getting one?" And I'm like, <laughs> ah, I'm, "I mean, we don't need a car right now." So, yeah, it it they did so much, right? with that car. And it is a shame uh, that Ford has had a such a bumpy rollout with it, both of some of their own doing and a lot of, you know, the world times that we're in. So yeah, just all around very, very good fun vehicle. So you're not just into cars, you have a YouTube channel yourself. And I I can see it. Our, our listeners cannot, you've got a lot of stuff back behind you from uh, your YouTube life and this other life you live after hours. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Man, it it, it almost sounds like, like a superhero, right? I have,
1: I have this dual personality. Uh, yeah, I kind of, I kind of do. So I'm, I'm obviously into very much into cars, but I'm just as much into cooking. Uh, my a m- m- little background on me is actually before I was a car writer, I was a food writer. Okay. And I got really, really serious into my food writing I ca- and I kind of went method. I said, if I'm going to be a food writer, I'm going to go to culinary school. I'm going to learn. I'm going to actually become a trained chef, not to run a restaurant or anything like that, but just to really know what the heck I'm talking about when it comes to writing for food. So while I was working full time as a newspaper reporter, I actually went to culinary school, took me five years, but uh, I got, you know, I I went through a full program, became a trained chef, and I was doing food writing for a number of years, uh, up to quite recently, actually. Uh, But some of my my freelance food writing dried up when the pandemic hit, and I said, well, you know what? Why don't I just start a YouTube channel? Mm -hmm. So I, I have a channel, it's called I Want to Cook, real simple. And just like, you know, (laughs) I think every video is a learning process. It's, it's been up a couple of years now and, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's for, it's for people who, you know, who are, I want to say every time someone says, oh, I'm not a very good cook or I don't know how to cook. I say, awesome. You are, you are my, you are the person I am reaching out to. You're the person I, I created this channel for, is for, you know, people of all skill levels, especially
0: novices.
1: So yeah, that's, that's
0: kind of what I do on the side. Well, I've uh, appreciated our Facebook friendship because you've shared obviously all your videos that way. And that's how I kind of got to know you a little bit better was watching your videos. I I would say I'm somewhere in that realm of novice to, you know, wanting to do more and explore more. I I joked when I met my wife, I was like, I I can cook breakfast and by breakfast, (laughs) I mean, scrambled eggs or, you know, just very low level, not hard uh, to prepare meals, but I want to cook uh, as your channel implies. So uh, I'm going to be doing some research and I'm going to surprise her with some uh, learnings from your channel because uh, like we all love food. Like we... That's something we we do well uh, and are blessed with here in America, uh, and uh, definitely something I want to embellish on a little bit more. But uh, what would you say ha- would be your like go-to dish for um, somebody getting new getting into it, but wanting to impress somebody?
1: Yeah, I g- just do a frittata. You will blow. You will blow your, your family, your friends, uh, your loved ones away. A frittata, it's, you know, it sounds fancy. It looks fancy. It's so easy. And you just mentioned that you can make scrambled eggs. If you can make scrambled eggs, you can make a frittata. Frittata is basically an egg dish that you throw whatever else you want in it, potatoes, vegetables, meat. You start it in a pan. You can start it in a nice cast iron pan or skillet, whatever you got. Throw it in the oven, it sets, put some cheese on the top, you're done. It's amazing. And frittata is one of my favorite things uh, to teach people how to make because, you know, the results are great. It's something you can eat literally breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, that's make, make a frittata for your wife and, and you'll be like husband of the year.
0: Yeah, well, we were joking about doing breakfast for dinner tonight, so uh, I may uh, whip that one up. We'll we'll see what actually comes to pass. So, uh, I ca- I can't not ask what what is your favorite dish to prepare?
1: <laughs> oh man, uh, that's that's almost like asking my favorite car. Right. So, you know, oh, don't this, worry, this, I'm going
0: to ask that question later.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, probably some sort of Mexican dish. I I just. If, if there's one cuisine I could eat every single day and I often do it's, it's Mexican. In fact, mm-hmm. I just, I just got done eating uh, a big batch of like killer homemade beans that I made with like all the fixing cilantro and, mm. and pico de gallo. And, and it was amazing. Um, it probably, it'd probably be some sort of Mexican dish, you know, whether it's enchiladas or shrimp tacos, something like that. I, I lean more toward, um, I, first of all, I'll eat just about any food. You know, right. no, I don't have really have any off limits foods because uh, I've pretty much cooked and eaten everything at some point in time, including a huge snail from in Vietnam. If you saw that, it wasn't very good. <laughs> um, anyways, uh, but yeah, probably something like that. I, I tend to go more toward uh, I'd want to say vegetarian slash pescatarian, which is more like fish and things. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'll do poultry. Uh, my wife does like. Red meat, so I'll cook, uh, you know, steaks for her. But for for me personally, it's more, yeah, it's, it's more of a of a vegetarian sized pescatarian diet. I'm also gluten free, so yeah. you know, I, I that has a, a bit of an effect as well. Yeah,
0: well, uh, you definitely cannot go wrong in my household at choosing any Mexican dish whatsoever. I'm in a Lexus LX600 right now, so me and my wife we're gonna load up. We're gonna start heading your way. Uh, you'll have a dish ready for us when we get there, right? Yeah,
1: come on over. It'll yes. it'll be hot out of the
0: oven. Oh, yeah, sounds great. All right, well, Matt, before we close out, I do have a a series of fun questions that'll help uh, us, as an audience, me as an interviewer, uh, get to know your brain, your psyche, how you think, just a little bit more. The Ooh, segment... that's
1: a scary thing: be, be careful of what you ask for. <laughs> yes,
0: the segment is called Random Misfire, and there are eight questions because all good engines should have eight cylinders. And <laughs> yeah. uh, with that, the hard work for me—I've got more to, than eight to choose from. We'll be picking eight, just eight, to ask you here. Uh, the first one's always easy, though. Do you name your vehicles? Of course. Absolutely. Any notable names/slash vehicles uh, in your history?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, I had a just as all good jour- auto journalists do. I had a Miata. I had okay. it for about ten years until uh, until uh, somebody crashed into me. But hmm. my my dear beloved Miata, uh, her name was Maya. Okay. Yeah. I currently have a an old uh, Lexus SUV, and his name is Rex.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I jokingly um, started naming vehicles before I ever had one. Uh, at the age of like twelve or fourteen, I was convinced I was going to have a Camaro one day, named it Cameron. So naturally, when I actually did get my Camaro, named her Cameron. But then I got my first car, and I was like, "Well, do I name this one? Here, where do, where do I go with this?" So, uh, yes. You, that's the only question I'm going to ask you that has a wrong answer and you got it right. So they're
1: members of the family, man. And I like that. We actually gave them, gave them like genders too, right? We went beyond just the name.
0: (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Let's see. Oh, this will be a good one. Would you rather buy something right off the factory floor that is everything you want or would you be more inclined to build something just the way you want it?
1: yeah, I'd probably build it the way I wanted it.
0: Yeah. Which leads me into uh, on-road or off-road. Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> Man, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, if you'd asked me that at a different
1: time, I, I might have said on-road, but I think these days it's it's all about off-road.
0: It, it's a very interesting dynamic, just seeing when I grew up, like it was performance cars. That's, that's where... You know, the Pony Car Wars were in full effect, and uh, everybody was really competing in that performance car realm. Now, if it doesn't have four doors or a truck bed or a lifted suspension, it like, is it a performance vehicle? <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you even doing here? So it, it's been really interesting to see a, uh, my editor, videographer, co-host on some episodes and friend. Uh, was on a, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he raised a really good point that he prefers on-road because he has broken too many things, left too many times on a trailer going hard off-road, whereas in the on-road realm, typically <laughs> you're not leaving on a trailer if you don't have to.
1: And, and when you get stranded on road, at least you're not like a thousand miles from <laughs> tow service. You know, out in the booty. Right, right. <laughs> huh,
0: huh, huh, huh. Let's see here. Mm. Do you hand wash your vehicles?
1: Absolutely. No. I, 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 I it's something I enjoy doing it. I I told, in fact, a few weeks ago, I I told my wife, I said, I'm going to go relax and. Uh, Next thing you know, I'm out there washing my vehicle. Yeah, I I really enjoy washing vehicles by hand.
0: I do as well. Uh, My mom was blessed. Uh, I have an older brother, so uh, two car guy children in the household. When she upgraded from her 92 Plymouth Grand Voyager to her 98 bright red wide track Pontiac Grand Prix GTP supercharged 240 horsepower V6, yeah, I remember all of that. Uh, we were just enamored with it, and I don't think there was a sunny day in the summer that one of us was out there washing it for her. <laughs> I don't think it ever saw a speck of dust that we didn't want on there. Uh, unfortunately for me, I'm going to have to tell this story sometime. I, I don't want to steal an interview by any means, but I'm going to have to tell a story about ha- how hand-washing my uh, 07 Silverado saved my life. But uh, that that's for for another day i'll just keep teasing it until i can figure out how to figure out how to work it into an episode there (laughs) uh do you prefer because we we live in a world of just amazing new vehicles the build quality the materials what they are capable of new or classic
1: Well, you know, it depends on how you define classic. Um, I've, I really have a soft spot in my heart for older, like Toyota vehicles, older Lexus. And, and when I say older, I'm, I mean more like the Radwood type era, okay. you know, 90s um, era uh, vehicles. But, you know, if I'm buying, it's, it's probably going to be new. It's just, you know, pra- yeah. practical wise, I'd probably just go new. Unless I found, like, a really low mileage, like, Lexus SC300 or something like that with Mm a manual transmission. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Yeah, growing up through the Radwood era, era, I'm like, yeah, you know, it's sad to think that those could officially be listed as classic cars nowadays. (laughs) I believe it's 25 years is the uh, threshold. So, yeah, that that hurts a little. I'm like, wait, when did I become old? (laughs) That's a classic. Uh, mm, Let's see. Uh, Let's see. We are five in, three to go. Uh, We talked so much about EVs earlier. Ice or EV? I ask myself that, if not daily,
1: several times a week, because, you know, I'm always thinking like you know, for for me as a KBBer, I'm always trying to put myself in the mind of a consumer, right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what we do, right? We 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 are helping consumers buy, you know, everyday consumers buy everyday cars. So I ask myself that kind of question every day. Um, I think if I'm talking like right now after this interview, I go out and buy a car. Um, I'm ugh, it can go either way depending on the car, but hear me out. I'm going either plug-in hybrid, mm-hmm. like Toyota RAV4 Prime, where you get the best of both worlds, where you get you know both. Basically, you could drive 42 miles on electricity, then you can drive cross-country on the gas engine. Boom, done. Um, but then again, man, it's like literally, some of the new EVs coming out look so cool. I've been seeing uh, more and more of the Hyundai Ionic Fives on the road. Oh my gosh. I actually haven't had a chance to drive it yet, and I can't wait. That thing looks like it came straight out of, like, an 80s video game into my brain. I, I love the look of that thing. Um, it's really cool. So that, that'd that be a tough decision. But, yeah, I'd, I'd go either plug-in hybrid or the absolute latest um, in,
0: in EVs. So it's been... It's interesting that you answer it that way, because at the beginning of 2022, my wife joined our video team here at Garage Talk, and she has sampled plug-in hybrids, EVs, and all that. Now, any gas car we get, her first question is, well, is there a hybrid option? And I've really gotten her hooked on plug-in hybrids because of, like you said, it's the best of both worlds. You could commute on Total electricity and take the exact same vehicle on a road trip across for us, Texas, or the, the country. And uh, as well be the country. I've, right. I've driven across that state. <laughs> yes. Uh, to the point where at the Chicago Auto Show, I was trying to talk her into uh, the new Grand Cherokee 4xE Trailhawk because she currently drives a 14 Cherokee Trailhawk. And I'm like, okay, next size up, best of both worlds. Um, we're, we're going to have to get one in for a week long test around here for me to, you know, fully seal that deal. But you mentioned the Ionic five. We literally just turned that one in and my wife just floored me, shocked me, whatever the word is, uh, she did not want to let that one go. She was enamored. Her only complaint was for our family where we're at right now, our life stage, it was just a little too small for what she saw us purchasing next. And I was like, well, you're in luck. They've already teased the uh, SUV counterpart to this. It's built on a skateboard platform. We we will see it very soon. And to, she saw my coverage of the Hyundai. I don't know if they're actually dub- if they dubbed it the Ionic Seven concept or just the Seven concept. The weird green thing from uh, the, the LA Auto Show, <laughs> but she loved the styling on that. And I was like, well, you know, mm, we'll we'll see some version of that. So I have a sneaking suspicion that the next vehicle in our household will be one Korean because. Everything we've sampled from that whole brand, family of brands, we've both loved. And two, it's probably going to be a plug in hybrid or a full EV for all the reasons you mentioned. It's become a very compelling sell in the modern market.
1: Yeah. And I think in the end, personally, I, I you know, will probably have both. And again, both. The cars we have, they're, they're, they're old and paid off. Um, so, you know, we'll have probably a gas vehicle just because we have a gas vehicle. But if, if you're in the position of having both, um, then yeah, an EV really makes a lot of sense, especially if you're in a place like me in California where uh, you not only have crazy gas prices, but lots of sun. So it's like, let's do the math, right? Let's Let's put some solar panels up and literally get free fuel for our vehicle, right? right.
0: All right. Uh, those were a little heavier topics, so we're going to end on two fun ones. Favorite car-themed-based movie? Hmm. Does does everybody say Cars to this? No, actually. I, I believe my wife is the only one to answer anything from the Cars franchise. Okay.
1: Uh, now, Cars is really cool. It's, it's kind of funny. We were just talking about Facebook. I was looking back through my memories, and I think it was like maybe five years ago, like this week, I actually, actually got to go to Pixar, um, studios mm. and like meet with the whole team that created those movies. And that was really cool. And, uh, oddly enough, I hadn't watched the movies before, then, uh, and I, you know, I watched them and yeah, they're, they're fun movies. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe cars. Yeah. Yeah, maybe cars. Although that—I mean, that—that that first scene in Baby Driver, if you yeah. want to include that. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the, the rest of the
0: movie, ew, but that first that first scene. Yeah. That's that's a great scene. Yeah, we we just uh, did something. Uh, we didn't go to Pixar. We didn't meet the creators, but we <laughs> did the next best thing. Uh, we took our son for his fourth birthday to Disney California Adventure to Cars Land, and nice. then drove home down Route 66, stopping at all the iconic uh, landmarks that inspired the town of Radiator Springs. So there's a uh, station in Shamrock, Texas that inspired Ramones. There's uh, a cafe in Adrian, Texas that inspired Flows. And there's uh, a motor court hotel, motel in Tucumcari, uh, New Mexico. Arizona? New Mexico. Arizona. What? I don't even remember. But uh, that inspired, helped inspire the Cozy Cone. It was just so much fun and then getting to meet the people all along the way that helped make Route 66 America's Main Street. It, it, it was an awesome experience trip, video making process. <laughs> Last but not least, you referenced Baby Driver. Uh, another thing that Movie is famous for is its soundtrack what is your driving soundtrack
1: ooh good question so uh we'll open up a little just a tiny other can of worms i used to be a music journalist as oh my well. goodness so i <laughs> man really, of many hats you? i'm really into music um probably anything by like u2 um uh, switchfoot i'm into them uh the killers it it it's it's it, mostly those types, but i, I mean, seriously, I've got—I might date myself here a little bit, but I've probably got about three thousand CDs mm. uh, because I used to get CDs sent to me all the time back back in that era. Uh, most of them are ripped now, but yeah, most probably something upbeat like that. Um, but really, the, the the spectrum is absolutely huge as far as as far as what I like. But yeah, usually something more kind of upbeat, and I guess what you would call uh, alternative.
0: Okay. Okay. I have to ask just because you referenced it now, what was your car CD transport device? Was it a zipper binder? Was it hard shell case? Was it, was Velcro involved? What are we, what are we talking about here? How did you transport your music? Well, I, I couldn't
1: do that. I couldn't do the thing on the visor because it would just be too many right. and it would risk, uh, you know, potentially, you um, serious cuts if i were in an accident with these these metal flying frisbees so no i i went probably with the binders uh yeah. if, if i had that in truth nowadays i just put everything on a thumb drive mm-hmm. and i just stick it in the um you know because modern cars don't even have cd players right so I just rip everything in a high resolution uh form called flack so i still get the good sound quality but i've got you know thousands of songs on a, on a thumb drive
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, Bonus question here. Now that I know you're an audiophile and have sampled many, many a vehicle. uh, When I was in a Maserati Levante Trofeo, we had a Maserati rep with us that had a thumb drive with high quality music that he played and, you know, helped us sample and truly experience the sound system. What would you say is best vehicle sound system on the market Ooh, right now i'm that's a, I, again i'm in an lx 600 with mark levinson sound
1: yeah, yeah that's a, that's a good one so another feature i do uh, for kbb is I actually called audio road test and that's exactly what i do is i like i sample and review the highest end audio systems so i've done them from like bowers and wilkins um i've i've done bang and Olufsen. Uh, one of the ones that really impressed me a lot and it's the only modern car to have it is the Macintosh systems mm-hmm. in the new Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee and the Wagoneer. Those are absolutely fantastic, but uh, I don't know, man, they're like, there's some surprising ones like the EOS system in, in, in some of the Acuras are really, really good. Um, but, Boy, favorite one. I don't know, man. there's like, you know the Krell is amazing and a few cars they're in. I think right now, oh boy, right now I'm putting I'm saying the Bowers and Wilkins and some of the BMWs. okay uh, with, with the diamond speakers are fantastic and the and the Macintosh in the jeeps. they're 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 just wonderful. Oh, and the Burmesters and the Mercedes. Okay. those those are awesome. Love those.
0: Well, there you have it, GearHeads, Uh, from a man who knows his stuff right there, BMW, Mercedes, or a couple of the newest, highest in Jeep products in the Grand Cherokee and Wagoneer. Uh, Well, Matt, absolutely great to have you on the episode. I'm going to keep you around after you and I hang up here uh, for a little extra conversation. I've got two more questions for you behind our Patreon paywall. You can go to patreon.com slash GT Garage Talk and sign up to hear just a couple more questions from Matt. But uh, I know we've talked about it a lot. They can find you at KTBB and where else? (laughs) You you can find me cooking on YouTube at I Want to Cook. So there you have it. Uh, Matt, thanks again for coming on and just sharing your experience and your expertise with us. Thank you. All right, there you go. Another week down, a great conversation with Matt about all things automotive, all things cooking, a little bit of music in there. Uh, You know, I I didn't even get to really investigate his trip to Vietnam as much as I wanted to. You know, I wanted to talk about, you know, different culinary practices and traditions uh, there in Vietnam. You know, he, he hinted a little bit, you know. But my wife has eaten guinea pigs. Uh, There's been a lot that uh, we could have examined just on the food aspect of things and just on that recent trip. But, uh, alas, we only have so much time here on the podcast. I'm so grateful for him coming on and joining me. Uh, You can find him over at kellybluebook at kbb.com. You can find him on the YouTubes. I Want to Cook is his channel. If you want to put a face uh, to the voice that you heard with me here today, uh, but just incredibly grateful for his insight, his wisdom, his experience, all, all that he's been through doing this for many years. As for me, you know where to find me, GT Garage Talk for all things uh, GT over here, including links to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube channel. Until next time, Gearheads, bye.